0: Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning to the podcast this Monday. This is the Monday after Easter. Some say Resurrection Day. Uh, But to me, every day is Resurrection Day. I've been resurrected in Christ and been quickened in Jesus Christ, made alive. How we thank and praise him for that. And I certainly hope you had a good weekend in the House of God. I hope you attended the House of God. And uh, we're looking forward to what the Lord is going to do. We have quite a few meetings coming up this year. Uh, We'll be scattered from Maine to Florida and points in between, as far as we know. And we'll be continuing to update on the meetings. But right now, the McVays are home for about three weeks. And so we certainly thank the Lord for this time. We're trying to get uh, not only uh, things we need to get done, hopefully some things we want to get done. There's a big difference between the two. Uh, But we try to use this time wisely. And before we know it, this time will run out. We'll be back on the road up in Pennsylvania. And then be back on the road again up in the state of Maine. And Youth Week is coming up up in New York. And I would like to make an announcement about that. The last full week of June. Uh, going to the first part of July there, uh, that we will be having Youth Week up in New York. This will be our 13th year, I believe, of having Youth Week. And it's not just for the youth. It's for anyone uh, that wants to be a part of the things of God and anyone that wants to come and hear preaching. Now, I say on this wise, because I've said this for many years, you will probably get about two years of Bible college in one week of Youth Week. And that's not an exaggeration. We've had people come there, just been stunned by the things that have been preached, by the things they've learned. And we give God all the glory for that. But if you're able to come, that, that meet is in Black Creek, New York. Contact us. Uh, families are welcome. Folks are welcome. We'll work out a place for you to stay and to work out lodging, food, all of those things. And then the, we trust the Lord to work out the preaching. But there are financial needs at Youth Week. And so some of you that listen, consider supporting that meeting financially. Probably be a blessing to others, others that may not be able to uh, travel, may not be able to afford to come. We ourselves are weighing those things and see what the Lord's going to do. But I want to go ahead and make an early announcement about Youth Week. I figure this Monday after Easter, uh, folks will be tender towards the things of God, maybe receptive to the things of God. And so you just consider these things. As we go into the podcast today, uh, I'm not only going to update you on ministry, but I, I want to make a couple of statements that I really need to make concerning this. It was recommended to me that I address uh, part of this entire message I'm going to deal with today, possibly even tomorrow. Uh, but to understand the book of Job from this point on, we're going to start in Job chapter nine here in the next day or two. And what you deal with in Job chapter nine is we see Job go in and out of speaking prophecies. I don't necessarily know where to draw that line. I don't always know where to draw that line. That's one of the things I guess I'm hesitant to really teach these as prophetic, because I know there's folks that sit there skeptical, there's folks that do not see Jesus Christ in it, and uh, they say, well, where's the line? How do you draw that differential? Well, there's times it cannot be Job. We understand there's times it cannot be David. There's times Isaiah spoke in the first person, Isaiah spoke in the third person. Uh, he spoke he, he spoke I. Uh, Yet we see that all through Scripture. We see David would step into that role of the prophet, speaking by the Spirit of Christ. Other times they would see Jesus Christ and write of him as though they're observing, as though they're standing on a hill overlooking the scene of Calvary. We also see Jesus Christ in the garden. We see Jesus Christ in Pilate's Hall. We see Jesus Christ spending the night somewhere. We see Jesus Christ standing before the high priest and being judged. We see Jesus Christ as he takes his cross. We were at Harpers Ferry last week, and uh, the Catholic Church at 12 o'clock had the stations of the cross, and we uh, heard some ladies talking. The one lady talked about the beautiful stations of the cross, and she said to someone, it's every place that Jesus Christ set down his cross, uh, we commemorate that. And, uh, you know, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing if you're a Roman Catholic, but if you're a Bible believer, you don't know where Jesus Christ laid down his cross. As far as we know, he can com- be compelled Simon the Cyrenian to carry his cross. We understand that. But Jesus Christ also bore that cross and he bore it to the cross of Calvary. The cross is not so much the physical cross that we look to, but the cross is that place of suffering, that place of sacrifice in Jesus Christ. That's what we look to. And so we see those scenes in prophecy. Uh, We see Jesus Christ in the grave in prophecy, that Holy One of God. We see a resurrected Savior. And then what we do see in prophecy, and we don't see it in the New Testament mentioned as much. We don't see it through the eyes of the New Testament writers. But what we do see is the soul of Jesus Christ. We see that offering for sin. And that's where the gospel comes into play. That's where there's so much contention about that. How that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Well, what is the sin offering? The sin offering is the soul of Jesus Christ. And so in the book of Leviticus, the word of God tells us about that sin offering. And I don't want to go too far with this, and I don't want to not go far enough with this. I want people to understand this. I want people to be able to grasp these things. And yet there are those that come to the, come to the reckoning of this, and they do not want to believe what God said. And they don't want to believe what the Word of God says about these things. But here's what he said in verse 22 of Leviticus 4. When a ruler hath sinned and done somewhat through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord his God concerning things which should not be done and is guilty, or if his sin, wherein he hath sinned, come to his knowledge, he shall bring his offering, a kid of the goats, a male without blemish, and he shall lay his hand upon the head of the goat and kill it in the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. And so again, he tells us that goat is going to be killed in the place where they kill the burnt offering. Why is he that? Because it's a sin offering for the Lord. Then the priest shall take the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering and shall pour out his blood at the bottom of the altar of burnt offering. And he shall burn all his fat upon the altar as the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall make an atonement for him as concerning his sin, and it shall be forgiven him. So we notice there in Leviticus 4, there's something different about that sacrifice. The blood is offered. But then we also see this, the fat is offered upon the altar. The fat is offered up as the fat of the burnt offering is offered. So the fat of the sin offering also is offered. We see here also the peace offering. The fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings is made. And so I want to look at that with just a few seconds here. But we see then of the, the fat of the peace offering that's offered, and the word of God says this in verse 6 If the offering for a sacrifice of peace offering unto the Lord be of the flock, male or female, he shall offer without blemish. If he offer a lamb for his offering, then shall he offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it before the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's son shall sprinkle the blood thereof round about the altar. And he shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offering an offering made by fire unto the Lord. The fat thereof and the whole rump, it shall he take off hard by the backbone and the fat that covereth the inwards and all the fat that is upon the inwards and two kidneys and the fat that is upon them, which is by the flanks and the call above the liver with the kidneys, it shall he take away. And this is what he said now. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire unto the Lord. What is burned upon that altar? What is the sacrifice of the peace offering? He tells you the fat, the whole rump, the fat covereth the inwards, the fat that is upon the inwards, the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, which is by the flanks and the call above the liver with the kidneys, it shall he take away, and the priest shall burn it upon the altar. Why does he burn it upon the altar? Because it's the peace offering. It's the inward. It's the inner things. It's that inward being of that of that animal that's offered. So in Leviticus 4, we see that goat that's offered. That goat is offered and he's sacrificed. He kills it in the place where they kill the burnt offering. And that sin offering is made. And what does he do? He takes that fat after the blood has been poured out. After the blood has been put upon the altar, then he takes the fat upon the altar as the sacrifice of the peace offerings. So he takes that fat above the kidneys, takes that fat above the, above the call of the liver, that fat off the rump, the fat of the back boat, and he, he offers it on an altar for the sin offering and it's burnt before the Lord. So that having made peace with Jesus Christ through the blood of his cross, but then also that our sins might be forgiven we see that sin offering that is offered. Now, we go to the book of Isaiah, and he gives us an understanding of the sin offering. In Isaiah 53, for he tells us in verse 10, yet it hath pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Now, that sounds like a sin offering, does it not? He made his soul an offering for sin. So what we see then is we begin to see a picture taking shape now in the word of God of that fat being the soul, that fat being the soul of Jesus Christ in this play, in this case, the inward parts of Jesus Christ are the offering for sin. It's his soul. I realize that when that lamb or that goat is offered for that sin offering, then that lamb is offered for that peace offering. I realize we're talking about an animal, talking about the blood of an animal. We're talking about the inward parts of an animal. But in Jesus Christ, we're talking about the blood of the Son of God. We're talking about God's blood. We're talking about his soul being offered. We're talking about the soul of Jesus Christ. That's the, the very soul of God. That's the soul of the Son of God, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he offers his soul upon an offering as the sin offering for you and for I. And it hath pleased the Lord to bruise him. What the? He bruised that outer animal. He slew him in the place where he slew the bird offerings, what he did. And then he took the blood from that man, Jesus Christ, put it upon the altar for, for forgiveness of sins, and then he offered his soul for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11. He tells us this, he shall see of the travail of his soul. Where does the travailing of his soul? It's when his soul is offered. How is his soul offered? Notice this, those kidneys, that fat, that call is not removed from that animal until that animal has been slain. That's the picture. That's what we see. That's the type. Therefore, Jesus Christ's soul cannot be offered on the cross of Calvary because he's not yet died. He has not yet shed his blood. God has an order for everything. The blood must come out. Then the soul comes out. That's that's the order that God gives. No man that, that gives up his soul has life in his blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. When the flesh dies, the blood dies in human beings. When that blood is dead, that blood is no longer functional. To be asked from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's his soul. With Jesus Christ, when he is slain on the cross of Calvary, wicked hands took him and slew him on the cross of Calvary. He shed his blood for you and I, and then his soul was made an offering for sin. And when he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Why was he satisfied? What is travail? We see all through the scripture, the travail it speaks of is the travail of a woman. That's a woman in her time when she's coming down, time to give birth. We see at least two women in the Bible for certain that died in the travail of giving birth, the agony, the suffering. I know in the hospital, we were giving birth to Liliana. My wife was in there giving birth. And I remember just hearing screams coming down the hallway from a lady that was screaming in the travail of birth. And that's what he's speaking of, the travail of his soul. They go into the very jaws of death and offering his soul. And he says, by his knowledge, shall my righteous servant justify many. How does he justify many? Because he's offered his soul as that offering for sin. For he shall bear their iniquities. Where does he bear their iniquities? He bears them, yes, on his body, but he bears them in his soul. That's why his soul is made an offering for sin. He hath made him to be sin for us that knew no sin. And so therefore, Jesus Christ, on him, all of our sins were laid. All of our transgressions were placed. God cast iniquity upon him, and he bore it upon his soul. And then his soul is offered for our sin. Therefore, I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoiled with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. Now, that death there is the second death. And the reason I say it's not the first death is because that body is offered in the first death. He didn't pour out his soul to the first death. He poured out his soul in the second death, that death in hell. And if we just go ahead and say that on the podcast, because we am going to clarify that in a few moments with the Lord's help. But his body died on the cross of Calvary. Then his soul also died. Why? Because his soul was made an offering for sin. He poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. Now, again, they say, well, that's on the cross of Calvary. And they go back and they use Greek and Hebrew and they try to undress these things. And they say, well, his soul was, was offered up there. He's numbered with the transgressors. No, he was not numbered with the transgressors on the cross. He was numbered with the transgressors that have died. He was numbered with the rich man in hell. He was numbered with Achan and his family. He was numbered with Korah and his sons. He was numbered with those transgressors. That's when he was numbered. And there he was numbered. Why? Because he was offered for our sin. He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now, the reason we know that according to scripture and part two is definitely going to be tomorrow, uh, but what we're going to look at just quickly, and we're just going to believe what God said in Psalm 16. And he's going to say this, therefore my heart is glad in verse nine, and my glory rejoiceth, my flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. There's the suffering of Jesus Christ. There's the second death. There's the offering of his soul. There's him pouring out his soul unto death. He said, thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one. That's the body of Jesus Christ. That's that goat that was sacrificed. That's that lamb that was sacrificed. The flesh has died. The blood has come out. The soul has been offered. That's Jesus Christ. With the Lord's help tomorrow, we're going to look at several other places, but we're going to deal again with the offering of the soul of Jesus Christ. There is a lost soul who's tired of sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine God. Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption call at nine. There only was Now the angel.